Hello, my name's Professor Jason Pomeroy. I'm the founding principal of Pomeroy Studio and Pomeroy Academy, the designers and thought leaders of sustainable built environments. And it gives me pleasure to be here once again with JCU Conversations, an initiative from James Cook University, Singapore, where I get up close and personal to those captains of industry that are making a difference and really transforming people's lives and making a success. It gives me pleasure today to be here with Jael Ung, the Chief Executive Officer of The Great Room, a remarkable initiative that's bringing people closer together in a new concept environment to work better, socialize better, meet better. Jail, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. The pleasure's all mine. Always nice to see you, Jason. Glad to be here. Oh, thank you very much. Now, let's start off with a slightly easier question for you, if you don't mind. Tell us a bit about your childhood. My childhood? Um, okay, I am born and I grew up in Singapore. Um, I have actually quite a bilingual childhood and a very rich childhood. Um, so my parents are, were working in China. I was just growing up and then I was also studying in England. So oh. it's a funny combination of spending term time in England and then summertime in China. So I was exposed to quite a varied and rich culture. Wow, in England? Whereabouts in England? I was in Midlands in Shropshire. I'm not sure if you heard about that. Of course that. I have. I'm in half English. Of course you have to hike an hour to the nearest proper supermarket and then two hours to the cinema. Wow. Very different from Singapore, wow. much less urban. So I spent time there before going you know, into London for architecture school. That's amazing. So um, two very different centres, yes. China, the UK, rural UK, should rural I say. Rural UK. And then you mentioned architecture. So yes. you studied architecture. Where did you study architecture? Um, I went to their school. I know people debate about that, but I was at the Bartlett School of Architecture okay. in London, uh, where I believe, you know, not just architects converge, but rock stars, wayward kids, artists, <laughs> chefs. It's a multicultural pot of talent. It's interesting you mentioned that because architecture is a remarkable grounding for people who then end up doing other things other than architecture. Everything except architecture, exactly. completely, I agree. So you started a course in architecture at the Bartlett School, which is an amazing school. I actually started my PhD at the Bartlett before uh, I then transferred as well. But then you went into what industry afterwards? Okay, so my, my journey is a bit meandering. Um, I always knew I wanted to be an architect. Mm. I was one of those precocious ones. So when I was 12, I was really clear that I wanted to do architecture. In fact, I was really focused about at some time, at some point in time, spending time in Germany. So I did German as a third language okay. because I was fascinated by the Bauhaus. Don't speak to me in German. I don't remember <laughs> a single word. But it was the kind of focus that I had then. But as life has it, I've basically meandered around everything except architecture. However, I still believe that architecture is the best grounding yeah. kind of education as you talked about. Yeah. It's a very good marriage of the arts and the sciences. It's about history, it's about geography, it's about people, it's about finance, it's about documenting what's happening then and now and kind of crafting the future. And I love that about architecture. Well, I'm delighted that you said that. But tell us then, if you didn't do architecture, what was your first job? Or was architecture your first job and then you decided to go elsewhere? Okay, so that's an odd one. My first job, I stumbled into it. So I was meant to be in New York, okay. um, practicing with Bernard Shumi actually. Mm. Um, and then September 11 happened. Mm. So it kind of thwarted my plans. I didn't make it to New York. 
um, I was restless in Singapore, kind of just graduated, spending too much money and needing to make some money. And then I started my first entrepreneur venture when I was 21. It's remarkable. With ignorance comes great courage. I was very courageous. I didn't know what could go wrong. It felt like everything would just kind of happen and go. So I just kept going. Um, long story short, I, I started an art and design school. So I'm really passionate about art and design and creative education for children. So I worked with children. I worked with educators who work with children. It was basically an art school and it grew into 40 locations. My goodness, and you were um, 21 at the I time. I was 21, but mm -hmm. this was a journey of quite a few years mm -hmm. before I went back to the UK for business school. Okay, so um, touching on that education component, um, you grew effectively a series of academies. That's really quite a remarkable achievement. And was there any particular age group that you were targeting or was it quite a broad age group? So it was quite specific because in Singapore, um, the children in preschool and primary school, which is really from the age of say like five to 12, mm -hmm. there are no, there weren't any specialist art teachers. Right. So it right. just happens to be the teacher who has a free period, whether it's the second language teacher or, or or something that kind of picks it up, or whoever is passionate about art. So I felt that this was a very formative year for children. It would make sense for kids to really be exposed. Whether you want to be an architect, or whether you want to be an artist, or you want to be a person in finance and appreciate the arts, or in, in dentistry, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. But a basic education in art should be part of basic education. So I was passionate about that. And we, we worked with kids 5 to 12, we worked with educators, principals who work with children 5 to 12, we went into the primary schools, kind of mainstream education in Singapore. Remarkable. Then you went back to the UK for business school. I went back to business, yeah. And, the school um, went on. The school, school went, went on. on. Yeah. And then you somehow, if I, if I don't mind, drifted into banking. Is that correct? I did. Did you drift I... into banking? Or was that a deliberate kind of conscious attempt to transform into a new career, another sort of platform for you? That's a, that's a great question. You know, things make sense looking back in the yeah. rearview mirror. At that time, it didn't quite connect. But I had a mindset of, um, I want to be an entrepreneur. And I see tools missing in the toolkit. Right. And I wanted to go on a journey of collecting tools and skill set right. and, and network and things, if you may. Mm. And I think Firstly, being away in Singapore for a long time, I didn't have that network. Mm. Secondly, I think while architecture is quite broad, I had a big gaping hole in kind of understand the financial world, the financial mm. markets, economics and all that. Mm. And it felt like a big missing piece. And I, mm. it was clear that um, the business would only grow to the extent and the scale of how I would grow. Mm. I needed to kind of collect that skill. And... Business school feel like the right thing to do, but I feel like today people have a lot more options. You don't mm. need to go back to formal education. There's a lot more way of like collecting field-tested skills. But that was the thinking. I'm going to go back and spend a few years working for other people, mm. learn how the expert do things instead of trying to wing it. Because yeah. as a you know young entrepreneur in yeah. the early 20s, you, mm. you wing it by mm. kind of you know, focus, discipline, grit, but you're winging it. And yeah. if there's a way to shortcut, I see education and I see learning from other field-tested experts as a way of um, shortcut, of mm. buying time, of mm. kind of truncating the arduous hero's arc, mm. if you may, mm. 
to get there because other people have gotten there. So if they've taken, you know, 10 years, now you've seen how they've done it, can you do it in two years? So mm -hmm. I decided I would spend the next few years doing that. Mm -hmm. I did, um, I went back to the UK, um, I went to Imperial, I did my business school, and it was clear for me that I wanted to work you know, with one of the big corporations. And then I spent a few years in, 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 in banking. Wow. Was that the Tanaka School? Yes, it was the Tanaka I Business remember. School. I, I, I used to teach around there in Kensington uh -huh. Gore. Absolutely, yeah, yes. Fantastic, fantastic. Wow, Great so ground. many, so many kind of overlaps here. Um, so, business school, banking, and here we are in the great room, one of your flagship places relating to co-working. Interesting concepts. I mean, we see so many co-working environments and what is lovely to see in a post-pandemic world are these new places that people can meet to socialize, to work. Why did you set up this place? What was the story behind setting up The Great Room? Mm, so right before The Great Room, I was developing hotels. Um, the Four Seasons and the Capella Hotel in Bangkok. Um, and as I said, everything kind of looked a little messy along the path, but it all makes sense. And I thought of Great Room as kind of really pulling together all the things that I know about and, and, and love. Um, I see myself now as an enabler, a facilitator of great design, um, because I understand the financial world as well as I'm a big advocate for designers. Mm and making things happen gives me great satisfaction. So this is a time where there is so much business uncertainty, whether it's because of the pandemic, even before that geopolitics, just shorter financial market cycle, mm. all these contribute to people needing to make shorter term decisions. Mm. And why should we be forced to basically decide on headcount, where would we be? And, and what kind of business we'll be running, who we're targeting for the next 10 years, we really, may only kind of have the visibility to make, you know, one-year decisions, three-year decisions, a series of them. So the workspace hasn't changed and the workspace gives room for lots of options. So if we want flexibility, it doesn't mean that it needs to be kind of grungy and, and cheap and cheerful. No, it doesn't. Mm. So the great room is really a vision of um, wanting it all, wanting flexibility, but not slumming it, one beauty, one great design, want to think about the future, about sustainability, wanting to meet great people because casual collisions in the workspace is where kind of the true magic and the high value of work happen. So it's all this little like discrete things happening and I'm like, there is an opportunity here and I just want to kind of pull it together to make it happen. And I think flexible working isn't new as a concept. Mm. There are many attempts at it. What I'm doing differently is I believe in a few pillars. I believe in the hospitality part of it. I believe in, in great design. Mm. Um, because we've all traveled, we've seen the world, we've experienced great design. Why shouldn't the place that we spend most of our awake hours not have great design? Mm. I mean, we spend less hotels, less time in hotels than in workspace. We must be in an environment of great experiences and design. Mm. And obviously sustainability as mm. well. I think people have the heart for it. They don't know how to put it together and kind of thinking through these things and providing the perfect workspace and having it all, it's what people are looking for. It feels timely to be, to be doing this. I think you've hit the timing just right. And I want to touch on two things, hospitality and also Bangkok. Now in 2009, you were over in Bangkok. 
tell us a bit more about that journey. I mean, you were setting up, if I'm not mistaken, the Capella. Yes, the Capella and the Four Seasons. And the Four Seasons. So working in a very different environment, growing businesses, I'm sure that there are these challenges. How did you overcome those challenges in growing in a foreign land, if you will? Hmm. I am less thoughtful than I look. <laughs> and that's why I do keep coming back that, you know, with some ignorance does come a little bit of good encouragement. Hmm. Um, I like to think I do some research, but at the end of the day, there's always this part that's a little unknown and you kind of just need to jump. Mm. But at the same time, be prepared to work 10 times harder. And I always think it's 10 times because it's going to take 10 times harder to hire the right person, 10 times longer to build a team, 10 times longer to build a vision. And truth mm. be told, I thought it might be a three or four year stint. I did take 10 years. 10 years to realize. So when I arrived, it was a fish market. And we've amalgamated um, the whole land around the fish market, resettled the, the, the settlers that were there, mm. brought in the hotel groups, all of that. Um, and just a little story, I've been going to the fish market, showing people the sites, telling people that this fish market is going to be uh, you know, a, a luxury hotel, mm. and it's going to have all these people coming all over the world experiencing what is the most amazing experience. Um, I did that over 70 times. I showed that site to many, many brands, many hotel brands who didn't quite believe it. Mm. And I could have stopped. I could have stopped that, you know, after 10 times, after 50 times, or I can stop at 72nd time and never got to Four Seasons. Um, so would you say that one of the key traits of a thought leader, a creative, someone of the CC, CC caliber that you are, is tenacity? Would you say that you're a very tenacious person to just keep on going, but also being able to, I guess, negotiate with so many different individuals to try and align up the ducks to be able to yeah. get what you want? I think so. I think it's a dose of foolishness. It's extreme um, tenacity. And I think any founder or CEO definitely have that like extreme and sort of unreasonable tenacity. Mm. Um, and I think it's about being a maverick learner. Right. I, I, I call it that way because sometimes you don't know who you're going to get the next valuable learning from. Yeah. And maverick learner, at that time, to me, um, I've never done it before, convince a hotel brand to kind of uh, believe in what mm -hmm. I, I did. Um, my CEO haven't done it before, but um, there were the fishermen there who told me this is the perfect time, this is the golden light where the river looks like a ribbon of like gold rather than mud. Mm. Um, they are very unlikely characters and this constant curiosity, um, desire to learn, this tenacity, this resourcefulness, willing to be really flexible and try different things. I think ultimately that supersedes um, a lot of paper credentials and experience. It's really interesting you mentioned that because from what I'm gathering from this conversation is that there is the book smartishness. You, you have been through a formal education relating to architecture, but also finance and business school. But you have this ability to lean in to conversations, to listen actively. So many people listen, but they're not actively listening. And for you to be able to kind of 
pick out the truth in what people say and being able to stitch those narratives together to actually help influence. I think that's really quite a remarkable thing. And when I look at where you are now with The Great Room, you're actually a conduit to so many different leaders. I do feel I'm a conduit. You're a conduit, aren't I you? am. I love that role, <laughs> the role of a conduit. Yeah. Because I'm in the flow of like things happening, of learning, of absorbing. Mm. So you're right. I've almost designed the perfect um, job for myself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely fantastic to be in the great room, the physical space. But let's talk a bit about the soft space. I've seen the great room. I've seen the product. What about the greater room? Greater. So when we start at the great room, I see the great room more than a place of productivity. It's a container of culture. It's a container of casual collisions. It's the more than agora of kind of learning and being and coming together because things are happening so fast. You're not just learning in school. You need to learn in your, in your workplace with other field-tested experts and with people kind of, you know, gaining new ground every day. However, the thing about the great room is it's really only for the people who are members of the great room. So the companies decide that this is their workplace and this is where they're going to be. It's, it's really a B2B, business-to-business -business, um, product. So greater is something different. It's really targeted for individuals who are leaders, who are would-be leaders, and they want to invest in themselves. They want to invest their time, their energy to be constantly learning new things from people who are doing it in the field every day, meeting like-minded people, creating impact, and really who don't know it all yet, but who want to do it all and right now. It's really a product of something I wish, um, I wish I had when I was younger to be in this mix and this energy. Um, so we're really excited about that. Well, that's really interesting when you, when you say that you wish you were part of this when you yeah. were younger. I'd be really curious to know what Jail Ang at 21 would think of you today. If you were to kind of think, well, hold on a second. Um, would Jail Ang of 21 recognize the person that you are today? And what would Jail Ang, when she was 21, think of you today? That's a very interesting question. So I would say, I don't know whether everyone's like that, but I was very uncertain. I had big dreams. I was never afraid of trying new things, but I was somehow in my mind, every step you take feels irreversible. Like I got to decide now for life if I'm going to be an architect mm. or not, mm. or I'll be off the path or if I'm going to be an entrepreneur or not. It felt so definitive, almost scary, and mm. I was very uncertain about that. Yeah. And I was very... It felt fuzzy that I couldn't see where I'll be now. Mm. I think... I think JL at 21 would kind of feel really proud and happy to know that, you know... Um, not to say I know what I'm doing, but I am okay with the uncertainty. I have that confidence that, you know, not all decisions are so big. They are big and small decisions. They are reversible and irreversible. And we live in a world where, you know, every, every door you open opens opportunities. Wow, you just touched on something. Um, John Keats, the poet, yeah. wrote a letter 
uh, to a friend of his, and he spoke of a thing called negative capability. Oh, and it was he said um, negative capability is when one can be in uncertainties, mysteries, and doubts without any irritable reaching after fact and reason. Oh. Ultimately. You can just go with the flow. You can live with those uncertainties. You can turn them into ideas sometimes. And I kind of get the impression yeah. that you are one of those courageous individuals. Now, 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 I feel I have that, but it took a long time too. And I'm not sure whether, you know, the Singapore education, because of how things are kind of filtered in a certain way, mm. put me on that path when I was younger. Mm. But it's taken all this time, and now I feel like. You know, I'm happy at peace with ambiguity, with uncertainty, because I see possibilities, opportunities. Yeah. I don't see them as, you know, end of the road. Very good. So, um, I love that. Jail Ang, designer, financier, conduit. What is the future of? First of all, the Great Room. What are your expansion plans? Secondly, what is the future of Jail Ang? The future. Okay, I'll start with me first in the great room. I will remain a very um, passionate entrepreneur. Mm. Um, I'm a mother of four, so I will remain very busy and crazy with four growing kids, with new, new passions, characters, likes and dislikes, and dreams. Um, I am um, looking forward to. Um, getting involved in different non-profit initiative in Singapore and just kind of being here and having the extra mind share and bandwidth to start building things that I care about outside of just uh, business as well. And then for the great room, I really think we're in the first inning of flexible workspace. We're only at the beginning. Um, it feels like the fun's getting started because now people understand what is it. There's a real need. We have really been pushing the boundaries on design, on sustainability, on our programming, and even locations. You know, starting out from Great A buildings, now we are seeing different possibilities. Like where can the workplace go? And then we're driving things that's beyond just the workplace. I think it's almost, you know, provoking learning and culture. I love that. I mean, that's how we start with Greater. I see us in, you know, more cities in Asia Pacific. Um, I've just done my first travel. Travel is resuming, so I'm excited to expand to new cities across Asia Pacific too. That's fantastic. We're just beginning. Very good. So we've got a few minutes to go, and it would be rude of me not to ask you a few other questions, which I really love to do in a really quick. You have a very fashion. cheeky look. <laughs> okay, let's go. Okay, are you ready? Yes. Always. Are you sure? Yeah. What are you currently reading? Um, Speed and Scale, which is about a climate um, change action plan by oh. John Doerr, and I am a very weird reader. I love spy stories. I am reading spy story about espionage in Cold War,、oh. um, and I read books simultaneously.、Yeah. The last and third one is Wonderful Things, which is. Um, a book full of pictures by the amazing photographer Tim Walker, fashion photographer. I love his work. Fantastic, fantastic.、Um, you mentioned sort of spy novels and things like that, espionage novels. Are you a fan of John le Carre and people like that?、Or? I am just starting to read a bit. I watch a lot of spy movies, but I'm an starting to really.、Movies. I love spy movies、absolutely. and thrillers.、Uh, when you look in the mirror, and、mm -hmm. you see Jail Ung,、mm -hmm. 
-hmm. what do you see? Um, I see someone who's quite, you know, happy and at peace with where she is now, but has this very naughty spark and curiosity, is at once a child um, and becoming a bit like my mother and a bit, <laughs> you know, get irritated and nagging at stuff. Um, so I toggle between both. Okay. So the jail um, 21-year-old and also wonderful audience of students and other extraordinary people. Um, what advice will you be able to give to our listeners? What are the words of wisdom that Jail Ung today can give to the Jail Ung of yesteryear and the audience? Okay, so I have two sharing. I won't call it worldly advice. One is to learn to fit in and stand out. Because we all have some unique gifts mm. to bring. Um, and in our younger days, we all try to fit in. But we want to get the sweet spot of fitting in and standing out, having a voice. So find something you know, in your organization, in your company that, you know, I understand on the table because um, I know all the things I should know, but here's my little edge and superpower. Find that voice. And then the second one, um, I would call it be a snake killer. Mm. Be a snake killer means like at some point in time you have deliberated research, talk about when to kill the snake, what weapon to use. You <laughs> or I kill the snake, like you can continue deliberating, but at some point in time you actually need to stand up and do it. So you need to stand up and do it. That's so good. For me, it's like you don't turn up to a baseball match and don't take a swing at the bat. You've got to get in the game. Exactly that. Oh, Jail, that was fantastic. Um, Jail Ang, conduit extraordinaire. Thank you very much for Thank this you, wonderful conversation. How can we find you? How can you find me? I'm Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. How do we find you? Um, social, so Instagram, JLLung, rather straightforward, and LinkedIn. I think these are the two best places to find me. We will find you. We will find you. Jail, thank, thank you very you. much. Thank you.